listening to The Venue Podcast. The Venue is a worship gathering at Southcrest Baptist Church. We hope that this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Well, hey, you guys can go ahead and take a seat. <clears throat> Man, it is, uh, it is good to see you guys today. If you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 14. Um, we're going to be in uh, 14, 15, and 16, kind of bouncing around. We're not going to read all of it, but, but bouncing around. If you're wondering, like, who is this joker that's up here right now? Uh, my name is Tyler, okay? I'm the university pastor here. Uh, man, it is good to, to be with you guys today. Um, we are in the middle of a series called This Changes Everything. And what we're doing is we're, we're looking at how the, the resurrection of Jesus impacts our life. Every aspect, every area of our lives, how the resurrection of Jesus impacts it all. And last week, Brandon did a really great job of showing us how we have this new reality in Jesus when we place our faith in him. And so this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to kind of go a little bit deeper with that and talk about this new relationship that we have with Jesus. And we're going to do it by looking at the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, I know, like, like, we're Southern Baptist Church, so when I say the words Holy Spirit, um, we might start clenching up a little bit, okay? Like, what is he, what is he about to do? Hang on, like, we're going to get to it, I promise you. But most Christians, when we talk about the Holy Spirit or when we think about the Holy Spirit, most Christians tend to fall into a couple of different camps, right? The first camp, I would say, is the camp that's obsessed with him if you will. Um, and we've all seen, you know, the videos, YouTube videos, TikTok, uh, Instagram reels, like all of these videos. And, and usually what happens in this camp is, is their experience with the Holy Spirit coincides with like this dramatic, like ecstatic moment in their life. And, you know, we've seen these videos of people like running up and down the aisles. Maybe they have some flags. Maybe they're, they're you know, speaking in what they would call tongues or, or things like that. Um, but they're obsessed with him, right? Um, the other camp that I would say several or most of us uh, probably fall into um, is the camp that ignores the Holy Spirit, right? Like you may sit there or, or this person may sit there and say, you know what, I believe in the Holy Spirit, I relate to the Holy Spirit, but I do so kind of like I do my pituitary gland. Like I know it's there, but I don't really know what function it has, Okay, that's, that's who the Holy Spirit is. And, and I'll just be completely transparent. Like, that's the camp that I grew up in. I grew up independent fundamental Baptist. So you guys are really liberal compared to how I grew up, right? Like, that's how, that's how I grew up. In fact, like, I, I grew up so much so, like, in regards to the Holy Spirit, like, we believed in the Holy Spirit. We never talked about him. And functionally, like, our Trinity was essentially, like, the Father, Son, and Holy Bible, like, that was, that was our trinity, okay? Um, in fact, I remember going to classes, like when I was in high school, uh, going to classes on Wednesday night where they would teach us the, the King James Version is the only version. Every other version is a perversion, right? Like, um, and, and trust me, like, I'm like so far away from that now. And actually, I tell people, I tell people, man, if God can save me in that environment where there is so much law and very little grace, like he can save you, okay? He can, he can meet you where you are at. But you have these two camps when it comes to the Holy Spirit. One that hyper-focuses on the Spirit, almost to the detriment of the Father and the Son. And the other camp is the one that ignores the Spirit and would say, yeah, we believe in him, 
but we only relate to him in name only. Like we don't really know what he does. And the reason I bring this up is because in John chapter 14, 15, and 16, this is like hours before Jesus goes to the cross, before he's crucified. Most scholars would say it's about 12 hours before he dies. And he's sitting there with his disciples and he's sharing with them the things that are most important to him in that moment. Right before he goes to the cross, right before he dies, he's letting them know, hey, here's all the things that are so important for you to know. And one of the things that he keeps hitting on is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit. In fact, there's something so important about the Spirit that right before he goes to the cross, in John chapter 16, verse 7, he says this. He says, nevertheless, Jesus is talking here, nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, when I read that, I don't know about, like, I don't know about you guys, but when I read that, I'm like, man, that's a wild statement that Jesus is making there, isn't it? Like, he's, he's looking at his disciples and he's saying, hey, it's for your benefit that I go away, that I leave you. And I read that and I'm like, man, I would give anything like to have Jesus just sitting beside me right now. I would give anything to have him walking with me. So why did he think that? And so this morning, my prayer, as we, as we kind of talk about the Holy Spirit, I, my prayer, and it's kind of twofold for us, is this, that you would leave here with a little more clarity on who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And then secondly, my prayer for you is this, that you would leave here knowing that you can experience the Holy Spirit right now. And I'm not talking about experiencing him in, in this like odd for God way or like weird way where people look at you and they're like, what is what in the world's going on with that person right now? I'm talking about experiencing him in a way where people look at you and go, something's different. Something's different about you. What happened? And so we're gonna accomplish that this morning by asking three questions. Who is the Spirit? What does the Spirit do? And then how do we receive the Spirit? So first question, who is the Spirit? Let's start this morning in John chapter 14, and we're going to read verses 16 through 26. And I want to make a few comments on this as we go. So starting in verse 16, Jesus says this. He says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. In a little while, the world will no longer see me, but you will see me because I live, you will live too. Side note, it's really interesting to me that Jesus is this whole these these three to four chapters, his big point is hey, I'm leaving. I'm going away, right? But then in verse 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I'm coming to you. Interesting there. Verse 20, he says, on that day, you will know that I am in my father. You are in me and I am in you. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I also will love him and will reveal myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it you are going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? 
that verse is, is I think, kind of humorous to me because I can kind of picture, you know, Judas, John's writing this and Judas is like, hey, can you put in parentheses, like, I'm not that Judas, right? Like someone, like, that's not, that's not who I am. I kind, of, I kind of liken it to, you know, someone who lives here who uh, has the name Chris Beard, okay? Um, and they're always like, hey, I'm not that Chris Beard. Like, that's not, that's not me, right? Like, that's what Judas says here. But then Jesus, in verse 23, says, Jesus answered, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and, he will, and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. The word that you hear is not mine, but is from the father who sent me. I've spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Now, if you go back up really quick to verse 17, it says this, it says, he is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him, but you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Now, why, if we're talking about who is the spirit, why in the world am I emphasizing these pronouns, okay? I promise you I'm not gonna get political with this, but why, why do we have to, why is it necessary for us to see the personhood of the Spirit? And I think for a lot of us, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, when we think about the Holy Spirit, we relate to him like he's this weird energy or like impersonal force that we just kind of want to hold at arm's length. But Jesus goes out of his way in these verses to assign personhood to the Holy Spirit. Why does he do that? And we're gonna come back to this in a little bit, so keep this in your back pocket, but the reason that I think he assigns personhood to the Holy Spirit is because if you never think of the Holy Spirit as a person, you're never gonna develop a, a, a personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. If you only see him as this impersonal force, you're never gonna develop that personal relationship with the Holy Spirit. And guys, listen to me. God wants you to develop that relationship with the Holy Spirit. He wants you to grow in that relationship. So the first thing I want you to see is this. The Holy Spirit is a person, okay? But what else does this passage tell us? It also tells us this. It tells us, if you flip over to John chapter 16, and we just read it, but John chapter 16, verse seven says this. Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away. Because if I don't go away, the counselor, now circle that word. Your, your versions may say advocate or comforter or helper. Okay, circle that, underline that. That's really, really important for us. But it says, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. Now, when I read this verse, I mentioned this earlier, but I'm kind of like, how is this better for us? Like, I wish... Jesus was beside me right now. I wish he was walking with me, talking with me right now, because if he was with me right now, any theological question we have, like we could ask him. We could look at him and be like, hey, I know that there's like so many questions you're probably getting, but like here's one that I've been like really wondering about. Like, do, did Adam and Eve have belly buttons? Like, how many of you ever wonder that? Like, be honest. Okay. How many of you like are like, well, I haven't, but now I, now I am. Like, okay, like it's a real question. Did Adam have belly button? I don't know, but Jesus could answer it for you, okay? Like he could, he could answer that for you. If you, let's say you're hosting a party, okay? 
food, drinks, you're just hanging out, like it's a good time, you're fellowshipping with people, and you run out of food, and you're like, Jesus, what's, hey, like I'm, I'm out. And he's like, I got you. Here's some Chick-fil-A nuggets. Like that's what he could do. Like he could do that for you. Josh Howerton, who's a, a pastor in the DFW area, he said, you know how awesome it would be if Jesus were beside you right now? If your dog died, he could resurrect your dog right then. If your cat died, he could help you dig the hole a little bit deeper, okay? I'm sorry for you cat lovers. It's just a joke, okay? But think about it. Like, how awesome would it be for Jesus to be with us right now? How could it be better for him to go away? Well, let's put on our our theological hat for a second. Because if Jesus were here right now, he could be around one person at one time doing one thing. But now that he sent the Spirit, he can be in every Christian everywhere doing all things. It is better. It is better for us. So the Holy Spirit is a person. But then I want you to see this. If if the Holy Spirit is here, what Jesus is saying is he says, look in John 14, verse 25 and 26 again. He says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the counselor, there's that word again, underline it, circle it. The counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I have told you. Side note about this verse, I think it's, this verse is really cool. This is, this is one of the reasons why we can trust the word of God and believe it and, and trust that it's accurate. Because what we're told here is that when Jesus goes away, he looked at his disciples and said, hey, when I go away and you're writing down everything that I told you, the Holy Spirit's gonna be with you to help you record it all accurately. He's gonna bring to memory everything that you need to know. But he says there, the counselor, John 15, verse uh, verse 26, he says this, when the counselor comes, there's that word again, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Now, we circled, we've underlined that word counselor. Some of your versions, I said, may say advocate or helper or or comforter. Now, why do we have so many different words in our Bibles for that one word? And the reason is because in the Greek, that we don't really have an English word that conveys the richness of that word that Jesus is trying to get across, okay? So it's this word parakaleo, and it's one word made up of two parts. So kaleo is a word that means to summon or declare. It's a very challenging word. It's a very like confrontive, confrontational word. Para is a very supportive word. It means to come alongside. You may hear it in that word, where we get our English words like paramedic or, or paralegal. This is, the, this, is, this is why it's so difficult for us to come up with one word that Jesus is trying to use to, to get across who the Holy Spirit is. Because in one sense, you've got this confrontational aspect to it. In another sense, you've got this supportive aspect to it. And so you have a, a parakaleo is someone who will come alongside you and argue against others on your behalf. But a parakaleo is also someone who will come alongside you and argue against you on your behalf. 
That's who the Holy Spirit is. And, and listen, guys, as Christians, the good news is that we get both of those. We get both of those. We get the parakaleo. We get the paraclete. So the first thing I want you to see, who is the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a person. You can even write in there in parentheses parakaleo, okay, if you want. Now, what does the Holy Spirit do? If that's who he is, what, what does he do? Well, the first thing I want you to see is this. He helps us. Some of your versions, the SV translation says the Holy Spirit is our helper, right? So how does he help us? In what sense does he help us? Well, John chapter 16, verse 13 says this. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you or he will help you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. Now, I think the first thing I want you to see with this is that to me, this verse settles for us whether or not the Holy Spirit is still speaking because this verse tells us that he is. In fact, in the book of Acts, in Acts, 59 times the Holy Spirit appears, 38 of those, he's speaking. Now, why do I tell you that? Because I want you to know the Holy Spirit wants to talk to you. He wants to speak to you. This is, this is who he is. The Holy Spirit is speaking. And as he speaks, he wants to help you. Well, how does he help us? Well, the first thing I would, like, I, would, I would say to you is he helps you know what to say, right? Like we've all had those moments where we're talking or, or, or where we're, we're, we're sharing the gospel maybe with someone and we're like, man, I feel like I'm about to come up on a question that I don't know the answer to. What we're told is that the Holy Spirit helps us in those moments, let that be confidence for you. The Holy Spirit will help you know what to say. The other thing that I would say to you, and maybe one that some of you may need to lean into a little more, is that the Holy Spirit will also help you know what not to say, okay? He will help you know what not to say, right? Like if, you, if you've ever been talking with someone or, or you, you feel like you're, you're about to say something, you get that check in your spirit and you're like, I don't know if I should say that. Listen to that check, okay? Listen to it. Now, let me give you an example of this. And, and as I do, let this be like a judgment-free zone, okay? Because I'm about to be really vulnerable with you. I'm about to be vulnerable with some like hundreds of my closest friends, right? Um, my wife, Kylie and I, uh, we have three kids. Our youngest is two and a half, all right? When, when our youngest was born, she was a, when she was a few months old, you know, we were exhausted. If you've ever had kids, you know, like exhaustion settles in. And when exhaustion sets in, words get loose, okay? Like you just start to get a little looser with your words. Um, you don't think as clearly like when you're, when you're saying things. And we, we rarely ever argue or fight. We've been married almost 10 years and we rarely ever argue or fight, but we were both exhausted. And I remember we were... We were, I don't even remember what we were arguing about, but it had something to do with our kids. And I looked at her and I said, hey, you know, you're not the first one to ever have three kids. Judgment-free, guys, okay? Judgment-free, okay? I know some of you have been there, all right? But here's the thing. As I was saying that, I felt something in me go, don't do it. <laughs> like, don't, don't do that. Listen to that check. In fact, like as I was saying it, it wasn't like I wasn't as like 
proud as I was up here, like, hey, you're not the first one that has ever had three kids. It was more like, hey, you're not the first one that's ever had three kids. Like, maybe she didn't hear it. Oh, she heard it, okay? She, she definitely heard it. Listen, listen to that check. The Holy Spirit wants to help you know what not to say in those moments. How else does the Holy Spirit, how el- what else does he do for us? The other thing that I want you to see is this. The Holy Spirit points to the truth, okay? He points to the truth. John chapter 14, verse 17 says that he is the spirit of truth. Now, fundamentally, I think what this means is that he will never call you to do something that contradicts the word of truth that's revealed in the scriptures. He will never call you to do something that contradicts the word of truth that is revealed in the scriptures. And I think there's a couple of ways that this, is, that this plays out, right? Verse 26 of chapter 14, we've read it several times, but in one sense, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's saying to them, hey, when I'm gone, I'm going to help you record everything that has happened and all that I've said so that you can record it accurately. But in another sense, what we see in 1 John chapter 2 and 2 Corinthians chapter 2 is we're told that as believers, as Christians, God will give us an anointing, i.e. the Holy Spirit, who will help us understand the truth. He'll help us understand it. Now, here's how this kind of plays out. Have you ever been reading the Bible and it's maybe something that you've just read over and over and over and over again and you're really, really familiar with it and you read it again and it's like the light just comes on and you're like, I don't think I've ever seen that before. Like, where, where was that every other time that I've read it? That's the Holy Spirit working. That's what he does. He helps us understand the truth. And so my question for you is this, do you have this happening in your life? Do you sense this? And you're sitting there going, well, how does that, how does he do that? Is there, are there things that I can do to, to encourage that? Remember at the beginning, we said that the Holy Spirit is not a force or an energy. It's not like you can get like two gallons of the Holy Spirit, you know, use it all and then go back to fill up. The Holy Spirit is a person. Well, how do we get filled with a person? You listen to him. You talk to him. This is what it means to, to, to listen to the Holy Spirit. Remember, we said as our counselor, as our parakaleo, as our advocate, sometimes the Spirit has to argue with us, come against us, doesn't he? And tell us, hey, don't do that. In fact, Ephesians chapter 6, and this is where it gets really, really cool. Ephesians chapter 6 says this. The sword of the spirit is what? The word of God, right? The word of God. So the more of the Bible that we know, the more ammunition we give the Holy Spirit to do battle against those things in our hearts that want to destroy us. Those things in our hearts that, that, you know, tell us, hey, don't believe that. Those things in our hearts that accuse us, those things in our hearts that tempt us. The more we know the Bible, the more we give the Holy Spirit ammunition to fight those, to battle. So let's land this, let's let's land this plane. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? If that's who he is, if that's what he does, how do we receive him? 
In John chapter 14, verse 16, Jesus says this. He says, the father will send to you another counselor, another advocate. Some of your versions may say, well, let me ask you a question. Because to me, that, that verse kind of brings up the question that there was, there's a, a first advocate, right? Like there's one before the Holy Spirit. Who is the first advocate? Sunday school answer will do. Jesus is, okay? Jesus is the first advocate. Now, in that verse, in verse 16, or uh, yeah, verse 16, when he says, he will give you another counselor, that word another is really, really important. It's really important. So in the Greek, and I know we're learning a lot of Greek today, but that's okay. In the Greek, there's two words for another. Alos, which means another of the same kind, and heteros, which means another of a different kind. So when Jesus says that he will send to you another counselor, do you think he's using alos or heteros? Another of the same kind, alos, or another of a different kind, heteros? Alos, right? Like that's, that's what Jesus is saying here. He's saying he will send to you another of the same kind. So what is the work of the first advocate? What is the work of the first advocate? Jesus, 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 says this, my little children, I am writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. We have a parakaleo with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. The Apostle Paul in Romans 8 and the author of Hebrews, they say something very similar. They, they tell us that Jesus is standing before the Father right now, interceding on your behalf. He is your intercessor. So you have four different people, John, Jesus, Paul, the writer of Hebrews, all telling us that the, the work of the first advocate is standing before the Father, interceding on your behalf. What does that look like? What does that mean? Why is that important for us to know? Because the more we understand the work of Jesus as our first advocate, the more the Holy Spirit will be able to do his incredible, powerful work in our lives. Why? Because John 14, 26 tells us the main work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to the first advocate. The main work of the Holy Spirit is to point us to the first advocate. So what does Jesus do as our advocate? I used to think that this meant when I sinned, Jesus was standing there before the Father going, hey, Father, Tyler Dunn here. This is his 321st time today, um, and I'm standing before you. And I would just like to ask, like, could you please like, hold off your wrath against him? Like, could you just please hold back again? I used to think that that's kind of how this worked. And in my mind and even in my heart, I would wonder, like, how long could that last? How long could that last before the Father goes, enough? <laughs> like, I'm done with it. I'm done with that. But that's not what it means when it says that Jesus is our advocate standing before the Father. In fact, Tim Keller, he says this. He says, Jesus is our advocate means two things. First, as our advocate, God the Father sees Jesus not you. Here's what this looks like. 
Jesus is almost like this great defense attorney, right? Like the best defense attorney possible. And he's standing before the father. And when, you, when you're on trial and you have this great defense attorney, the judge sees that defense attorney, not you. And so it's like you're in that defense attorney. And so no matter how stained, no matter how messed up, no matter what your life looks like, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, God the Father, who's a righteous judge, sees Jesus's perfection, not you. The second thing that he says is this. As our advocate, Jesus stands before the Father with a case like a good defense attorney. In other words, he stands before the Father saying, he, he, he doesn't stand before the Father going, hey, just please let him go. Like, let him go free this time. He promises to never do it again. Let him go free. That's not what he does. He stands before the Father and he goes, hey, Tyler should go free because you are a just God and my blood paid the debt. And it would be unjust for you to ask for a second payment for that debt that's already been paid. And Father, you are not unjust. So Jesus doesn't stand before the Father calling on his mercy on our behalf. He stands before the Father calling on his justice. He's a just God. And when I heard that, the first time I heard that, man, it deeply encouraged me. It deeply encouraged me. Why? Because the work of the, seven, the second advocate was pointing me to the work of the first advocate. He was showing me the work of the first advocate. And so the more we know the gospel, the more we know the Bible, the more we know what Jesus did, the more the spirit can speak into our hearts. In those moments in our lives where, you know, the, the, the writers of old, they call them the dark nights of the soul, right? We've all experienced that before. Like, man, you just are not in a good way. You feel like the world is, is closing in on you. You've messed up too many times. You've lost it all. In those moments, the Spirit can speak to you and say, hey, you were loved. You're accepted. Stop trying to earn it. In Jesus, you're accepted. That's what the Holy Spirit does. So, the question, how do we receive the Spirit? Very simple. By believing in the finished work of the first advocate. By believing in the finished work of the first advocate, the Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. And when you do that, the Holy Spirit comes into your life, not tomorrow, not a month from now, but that very moment that very moment. Brandon said it last week with, with, sometimes with sermons, there's application, you know, like go out and, and do this. Sometimes it's just a truth to, to settle in and, and, and wrestle with. And for some of you this morning, I think that there's, there's a couple of ways that this could play out. For some of you, You've never trusted in the Lord. You've never trusted in the work of the first advocate. So the Holy Spirit, this idea of the Holy Spirit working in your life is kind of completely foreign to you. We're gonna have some ministry staff up front this morning and they would love to show you 
how you can accept Jesus this morning. And then for some of you, you're like, man, I, I know the Holy Spirit's real. And there's even been moments in my life where I felt like he was working. But I feel like I'm in a place right now where I, I just, I, I'm pretty distant. Spend time with him today. Talk to him. Listen to him. As we get ready to sing some more, just allow him to just settle on your heart and speak truths to you. That's what the Holy Spirit does. And that's what he wants to do this morning. Let's pray. God, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your grace. I know, God, that um, oftentimes stuff like this can, can feel a little, you know, weighty, like a lot of information. And so, Lord, I just pray that um, whatever was taught this morning, God, that you would use it to, to speak to, to those that are here. And God, if there's someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would, that you would just encourage them, God, to come forward and, and trust in the finished work of the first advocate and then just live their life watching the second advocate speak truths and point them to what Jesus has done. We love you and we thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you were encouraged by today's message, subscribe and rate us wherever you stream your podcasts. To learn more about the venue at Southcrest, visit us online at southcrest.org or on Facebook and Instagram by searching for Southcrest Baptist Church. 